Ian, for the movie Underwater, would you save the stuff, Bunny? God, no. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> We're about to get into a fight over this. Oh, my God. Welcome to Pass of Fear, uh, the podcast where we look at horror movies and tell you our thoughts on them, and then we look at our audience's opinion of horror movies and examine their thoughts on the movie. Uh, do you want me, should we give a background on ourselves? Yeah. I'm Marshall. My background in horror is my father is a horror author, and he's taught me a lot of what he knows uh, when it comes to analyzing horror, both in movies and in fiction. And uh, beyond that, I've just I just love horror movies myself. They're not all I indulge in, but they're definitely a great genre. I'm I'm Ian, and similarly, uh, my mom is a writer. Uh, she actually wrote a screenplay a while back about serial killers. Uh, that was a long while ago, but um, I think that's probably where I got my interest in horror movies from, as well as my interest in uh, not really writing myself, but looking at other people's writing. And so, yeah, that, that's how I got interested in film, and uh, and especially interested in horror movies so i guess you could say i'm an i'm a horror movie enthusiast i like it uh and do you want to introduce our movie for today yeah sure in this episode of passive fear we are looking at underwater i'm trying to pronounce my t's here uh generally i'd say underwater but you know trying to make a change i'm proud of you trying to shed that colorado accent (laughs) that's right get rid of it so without further ado uh, i'm going to uh, I'm going to tell you all a teaser for this movie so that you can decide whether or not you want to watch it before you listen to this episode, where we will spoil everything. Tease away. After narrowly escaping the destruction of part of a deep ocean drilling facility, mechanical engineer Nora Price, along with other survivors, must find a way to reach the surface. With the drilling facility in bad shape after the destructive earthquake, and all the evacuation pods gone, they'll have to venture across the ocean floor to find a facility with means of escape. Yet the crushing depths aren't the only thing to be afraid of. Something caused this earthquake. Something lurks in the darkness. They are not alone underwater. Ending it with the title, Ian? Always. What a spooky (laughs) and original move. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Spooky, yes. Original, no. (laughs) Um... Well, well, how'd you how'd you like this movie? Oh, okay. I see. You just beat me to it. Okay. <laughs> you uh, always ask me. I gotta ask. <laughs> I see. I like this movie. Um, underwater, just in general, scares me. Uh, the ocean terrifies me. I hate that feeling of helplessness. Like if a shark wants you in the ocean, you can't really do anything. It's just gonna numb you, and that's just the that's just the end all be all. Um, so I. I was I, the first time I watched it, I was probably a little more spooked, but it's not a, a terribly spooky of a movie. Overall, my enjoyment of it, I gave it a six point five out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Yeah i I felt conflicted about this movie because I enjoyed it, but it also felt not very good. <laughs> it it felt empty at parts, right? Yeah, it, it felt yeah. a little empty. Um. I I actually put down a note during the movie where I said it, it felt like a video game. Um like it had very linear progress. Uh the characters felt a little like caricatures. Okay. And uh just the way that the action it was almost like they didn't want you to be bored, so it was like action 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 and that felt very video gamey to me. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um but I don't know, I feel like it cheapens it a little bit. So I gave it a six out of ten, so right. I I enjoyed it, uh, but I wouldn't really recommend it to other people. I might like put it on as like, oh, it's an underwater movie, right? Yeah, I think it's and fun that's, for that's like cool. a little party or something. But if you're yeah. really just trying to get someone interested in horror, if you're trying to show them a great movie, this isn't quite it. But it's a nah. fun watch for sure. Yeah, it's it's a fun watch. It's it's decent. Yeah, time to kill. Go yeah. for it. Well, that that gives our average score of six point two five. Oh my goodness. Uh, now, I don't know if this has happened before or not, but our audience score is actually a lot lower than ours. <laughs> it is, yes. So 
uh, our audience score was uh, on average four point two five. So the audience hated this movie, dude. <laughs> was, they're brutal on it. Not enjoyed. Well, do you want to do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of the movie, Ian? And yes, we'll get into the details, the nitty gritty of it. All right. So so beware, everyone. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers a bounty. I'm about to describe the entire movie from start to finish. Our story begins in the Kepler, a research and drilling facility created by Tian Industries. It lies at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, seven miles under the ocean's surface. As we are introduced to this massive feat of engineering and industrialization, we are also introduced to our main character, mechanical engineer Nora Price. Within minutes of this introduction, the facility is struck by an earthquake. As part of the facility is destroyed by the quake and water rushes in, Nora narrowly escapes with another drill worker, Rodrigo. As Rodrigo and her make their way towards the escape pods, they find Nora's friend Paul, who comes with them. However, the three discover that all of the escape pods have already been deployed. They also find Captain Lucine, who has stayed behind. Together, they reach the Kepler's control center and find Emily, a research assistant, and engineer Liam Smith. They attempt to make contact with the surface, but are unsuccessful. Captain Lucine suggests that they walk one mile across the ocean floor in high-pressure suits to the Roebuck, another Tian facility, in the hope of taking escape pods from there to the surface. As soon as they exit the Kepler, Rodrigo's helmet cracks due to an imperfection created during the earthquake, and he implodes. The rest of the crew begin to make their way down to the ocean floor in a freight elevator. As they descend, they see a distress beacon from one of the escape pods that has mysteriously ended up below them. Captain Lucine sends Smith and Paul to look for survivors. They arrive at the escape pod to find it destroyed and covered in a strange algae-like substance. They also find a body nearby with a pulsating mass on top of it. As Paul examines the body, a squid-like creature springs off the back of the body, latching itself to Paul's helmet. Smith manages to shoot the creature without injuring Paul, and they take it back to the freight elevator to examine it. Emily inspects the creature and concludes that it belongs to a previously undiscovered species. After the inspection, strange sounds and bangs are heard outside the elevator, as if a much larger creature were attacking it. Soon after, the Kepler explodes above them due to the meltdown of its nuclear core, and the freight elevator is sent flying down to the sea floor. As debris from the Kepler tumbles down around them, the crew make their way to an access tunnel, connecting to a station between the Kepler and the Roebuck. As they make their way there, Smith is hit from a falling piece of debris, but Nora and Captain Lucine manage to take him into the access tunnel. Upon entry, they find that Smith's oxygen scrubber is badly damaged from the debris. In the access tunnel, the crew comes across a blockage that they need to dive under. Paul, the last one through, finds that his suit's cable is stuck underneath the blockage when he suddenly is dragged back under the blockage. Nora and Captain Lucine try to hold him, but he is dragged out of his pressure suit and dies instantly. Before the team leaves the access tunnel, they find that Smith's damaged oxygen scrubber is slowly causing him to suffocate from toxic fumes causing him to become more and more incapacitated. Unwilling to leave another crew member behind, Nora, Captain Lucine, and Emily agree to help Smith walk. The crew once again sets off across the ocean floor towards the Roebuck. As they walk, they see a large humanoid squid-like creature, which attacks them and drags Smith into a cave. Captain Lucine manages to get Smith out, but he himself is pulled away from the other three, and since Nora is connected to him via cable, she is dragged with him. The creature pulls both of them higher, so fast that the pressure differential threatens to kill them both. Captain Lucine, despite Nora's pleading, disengages the cable, sacrificing himself to spare Nora. Nora lands back on the ocean floor and finds herself alone at the abandoned shepherd station. She finds Captain Lucine's old locker and finds a picture of one of his kids, a pentagram drawn in an old blueprint of the initial dr drilling site, and an old pressure suit. With Nora's current suit badly damaged, she changes into the old suit and continues on her way towards the Roebuck, while keeping comms open to see if she can find Emily and Smith. As she makes her way back to the Roebuck, she reunites with Emily and Smith. At some point, Smith has become unconscious, so Emily and Nora drag Smith along as they continue towards the Roebuck. They manage to find the facility, but as they enter it, they encounter a nest of the larger humanoid creatures hanging in front of the entrance. They try to sneak by, but the sound of Emily's oxygen alarm wakes the creatures. Nora is partially swallowed by one of these creatures, but is able to kill it and free herself by firing a flare gun that she had got from the shepherd station. She then fires a second flare into the distance, where she hears a much more massive creature moving. The flare illuminates an ancient titanic creature, Cthulhu, the source of these humanoid creatures. The three manage to reach the entrance of the Roebuck, and from there, the escape pod bay. 
Sadly, Nora discovers that only two of the pods are functional. Without telling Emily or Smith, Nora and Emily help Smith crawl into one of the pods. Emily then discovers there's only one left, and despite her resistance, Nora forces Emily into the last escape pod and launches it. Nora accepts her fate and waits for the destruction of Roebuck. However, she discovers on the control center's radar that the humanoid creatures are heading towards the escape pods that Emily and Smith are inside. Without hesitation, Nora initiates an overload of the Roebuck's nuclear core, resulting in a massive explosion that kills her, Cthulhu, and the other creatures. This allows the escape pods to reach the surface. The movie ends with articles of the incident showing that Smith and Emily survived, and the Tian Industries refuses further involvement with investigations into the events and prepares to expand its drilling efforts. It's a good summary right there, and I like it. Overall, what was the scary part of this movie for you, if there was really any scary to the movie? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, man, you know, there, there's a few there's a few things. I'd say that the first scene, and I wouldn't say that any scene in this movie scared me, mm-hmm. but it did make me scared for the characters. And and I'd say the first time that happens is actually when water starts leaking from the ceiling in the very beginning, right before the whole thing blows up, and Nora's just looking up at it. I mean, just because you know this whole thing's at the bottom of the ocean, and of course she doesn't even have a suit, right? She's essentially in her pajamas, and that's just is that's just terrifying. Yeah, no, I agree. That's uh, yeah. I think that the the they make the rig feel very very precarious in an interesting way. The same way yeah. uh, our previous episode we talked about Alien, how it felt very, um, very scrappy industrial. their ship. Yeah, it was it was industrial. Yeah. The ship felt kind of scrappy. Um, this felt like it was, even though like it was probably the furthest technology they have in underwater drilling or whatever in this movie in their universe, mm-hmm. it didn't feel safe. It felt scrapped together. Um. And I think they did a good job of making that kind of felt. Which is so cool because in both situations, and there's so many similarities between this movie and Alien, at least in its themes, uh, but it's, they do such a good job of, even with all this advanced technology, it still feels, uh, like you said, scrappy, not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, another Another thing that it shares with Alien, I'd say, is its view on industrialization and in, in corporations i'd say <laughs> yeah i'd say i think yeah just going too far where humanity wasn't really meant to go exactly and and that's definitely the general theme of this movie i think there are a couple others too but uh that that's one of the most important ones and one of the most obvious ones is hey you went too deep you know like the dwarves yeah. of moira they dug too deep that you know the that that's their sin in this movie is uh you know they went to they went where they weren't supposed to go and they were punished for it um was there anything else you felt you felt scared with the rig did did the creatures scare you at all did you feel fear from these creatures yeah yeah so so going back to what made me afraid for the characters um the the creatures I'd say, interestingly, the creatures weren't what was most terrifying for me from the character's perspective. Uh, This movie actually did a really interesting job playing around with pressure, like the high pressure they experienced under the ocean. And you had two characters that directly died from it. You had the first one, which was Rodrigo, who imploded upon exiting the Kepler. Uh, due to his uh, helmet cracking and the pressure was too much. And then you also had Captain Lucene, who was dragged high too quickly so that the pressure, you know, it couldn't keep up with it, and he exploded. And I think that, like, that pressurization is scarier than the creatures to me. That, does that actually happen? Like, because I know when you go up too fast, you can suffer from the bends. That's that was always the danger of when you're scuba diving, don't go up too fast because you're mm-hmm. gonna get the bends, you get the bubbles in your blood, and then they do bad things to you. But uh, do you is that actually like a threat? Is the suit being unable to compensate for lower pressure? I yeah, feel like, I'm, 
I'm I'm not a diver, but I have a hard time believing that he would explode, especially in that fashion. Exactly. The explosions, they were much. They were too much, I felt like. It didn't like ruin the movie or anything. Um I if anything, I actually had a bigger problem with Rodrigo's death when he died. Oh yes. Because I, I actually like, yeah, I did not like that. Yeah, I mean, I it, the death was fine. Like the reason he died and all, um, because like he gave the helmet to Nora because he knew his was faulty. He didn't want her to have the faulty one. Uh, it was noble, but mm-hmm. yeah, I have. I, why did he? Why was there a shockwave sent from his suit? Why? Like, why did? Why did he explode? That just weirded me out. It just didn't make sense to me. In a more story centric topic, mm-hmm. uh, still, still talking about rodrigo's death so i def i have a problem with how rodrigo died or not really not how he died but when and why he died i do understand that you know he he gave the helmet to uh to nora and he really you know knowing that his was faulty Mm -hmm. um it was interesting i actually wrote down in my notes while i was watching this movie did he just pick up a like a helmet with a crack in it and give it to Nora? But it turns out no, that's that's his helmet, and so then he died. But I just don't know if we really got what we needed to from his character. Like it just it felt unfulfilling for me that he just died. as a, as a character. I see that like he wasn't insanely important of a character. I think that his death served the purpose of setting the preset of this pressure is dangerous. It can actually kill you. Um, if you go through the whole movie with like, cause they, they make a big deal of the pressure though, is like, gotta keep those suits pressurized. Gotta keep the air in. Um, if we went through the whole movie without seeing a character suffer from that, um, and particularly die from that, mm-hmm. it would have felt kind of cheaty. You know, it would have been like, that's so it wasn't really that bad. If you guys were fine. Um, yeah, I, I do understand that. I understand a death there as a method for making the environment seem as dangerous as yeah. it is. My issue is that Rodrigo is a special character because he's the first person that Nora saw, uh, you know, as she escaped um, from from that exploding or rather imploding wing of the facility, right? And and that makes him special, right? He he's the next one uh, that we that we get to know, uh, and. I just feel like if you're trying to do that, like execute that method of making the environment seem dangerous, you don't need to use a character that has more, like that has greater potential. Interesting. Like, you, okay. don't, you don't need to use a, a a character with great potential in that in that way. And I feel like they could have used him, you know, some other way to greater effect. Interesting. I and, and see, I throw throw a red shirt, you know, at the imploding. Uh, and at that point, he was a red shirt, but I thought he could be more. He, w- I guess, he was a bit of a red shirt. Uh, the way I saw it was, uh, you can look back on it and say Nora saved him; he saved Nora. Uh, which I suppose you could have done later in the movie as well. Um, I yeah, I suppose I didn't take issue with it because I like in my horror movies, I like anyone to be vulnerable. Like it, at most, you should have maybe your main character and then maybe one other person be, uh, have like story armor mm-hmm. but um or plot armor is what they call it uh but beyond that i think anyone should be able to go at any time that's i, I value that in a horror movie um yeah there there is there is value in unpredictability and and that is um that is that is one of the methods of making the environment seem more dangerous is someone who you think is going to be important die but i don't know for some reason for his character i don't know i, I just felt like uh, just one more from the character I, yeah, I still would assume that he would eventually die, but I just feel like it could have been in a more effective way. I, I okay. don't know. Um, yeah, I suppose the way they set it up was we could have had a classic. Uh, we were we were in this from the beginning, and now you're gone. Like later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that can be heartfelt. I think they kind of did that with the captain, and I I think the captain's death meant a little they less did. because uh, he wasn't introduced as early as Rodrigo. Yeah, I, exactly. Like, I, I feel like he could have been um, sort of like the captain in that way. Yeah. Uh, and as well, like, I felt like like if Rodrigo had lasted further into the movie, I think by default I would have cared more about him than Emily or Smith. 
uh, who ended up being the survivors. Um, and so I don't know. I just okay. I feel like they didn't use him well. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, I took issue when they found the captain. Um, Nora gets the jam door open by pressing a few buttons. She uh later she she's always fixing things throughout the movie she's always fixing doors yeah she's fixing doors and <laughs> it like the captain said this is jammed and it's like well okay then unjam it and she like press that's not what jammed is you don't press a few buttons and it's like yeah you just like, didn't press the buttons right captain that's <laughs> I, like i wish that they would have had to get a little more crafty with that because like it was always an obstacle that was like resolved in like two seconds because well, because nora that was like the reasoning well, going back to what I said earlier about this feeling like a video game, mm-hmm. that is literally those moments where you just like hold down a button or you do like a little uh, like a oh. action sequence where you click buttons correctly. Yeah, and, and that's what it felt like. Like, oh, you know, this door is jammed. Like, uh, and you know, if you got one person on the side that you need to get to, and then you gotta like, you know, in the game, you gotta go yeah, through, you like, press a like action triangle sequence. X square and it opens. Exactly, it felt like very video game. Yeah, it felt like kind of rigid, and it's problem solving in a way i get i get what you mean uh and you probably honestly could edit the movie to put in like quick time events and like they would look kind of natural totally could um i want to say tj miller i believe that's his name uh our funny man paul in the movie uh yep i i love him in horror movies he does just a great job in them he brings the right amount of comedic relief without like constantly having to be funny and Mm. he brings a kind of comedy to movies that uh in its own weird way both comforts the audience but also kind of amplifies uh not only the how scary their threat is um how threatened they are but also the absurdity of just how threatened they are um yeah he brings up like he at one point they have uh the giant tentacle thing following them and he's just like and he says something along the lines of like uh fuck our lives i think because he's just like this really does suck. And it's like, yeah, you know what? That's fair. I would have said the same thing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting um, because of the, the horror movies that I've seen him in. I actually find his um, his comedic effect to be somewhat realistic. That That is a defense mechanism that you could see in a dire situation. You know, someone's making jokes, right? Kind of knowing that they're also fucked at the same time. Yeah. Um, they also, you also see some other ones. Uh, for, for instance, in Emily... Uh, she keeps wanting to talk, um, and uh, and then you you see the the captain is in distress because he forgets the age the age of his child who's much older than than he actually said. Um, so so I like that they are that they include that that they include these um, defense mechanisms because these are people in a really bad situation like they're not action stars who are badasses you know just yeah. throw. Um, you know, the rock at it and it'll all be fine. <laughs> no, exactly. And um, I want to say I like that they're mostly kind of whiny character. The most like I'm afraid character mm-hmm. was Emily. And she was just like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm nervous, which is fine. As opposed to that, like one girl in Alien who freakishly annoyed me because she was just crying. And I'm just like, I, I get that. Maybe some people will do that. But for a movie, that's not getting us anywhere. That's not helping me. But Emily, I felt like she brought to the table of like, I'm really not okay. I feel like I'm subpar for the situation without annoying me. She still tried, and I was like, I value that still. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I get what you mean. Like, she... Th- there's still that character who could be that, like, everyday person. Evidently, she's a scientist, but she's super out of her element. Uh, I mean, everyone is, but especially her. Um, and, and she shows it and that's, that's nice to see because you don't want everyone to feel like, um, well, I guess going back to what I said earlier about the, none of these people are action movie stars, right? Yeah. And she adds to that by making them feel more, uh, vulnerable, more like real people. I, no, I a hundred percent agree. Um, and like in this, we didn't, even our main character who, always kind of like had the right instinct of what to do um the proper reactions and how to handle a stressful situation it was just her and even she felt like she was winging it she didn't feel confident in everything she was she was getting lucky at times and there were times when she was just winging it she didn't feel like 
constantly in control, which is perfect. You don't want someone to be in control in a situation like this. That's not the point. Yeah, um, she she was a badass, no doubt, but she had uh, definitely lots of moments of of emotional turmoil. Um, it was interesting, actually, how they showed it. So when when she and Rodrigo narrowly escape, she actually closes the door on on two other engineers who are coming towards them, but it's too late to save them. Yeah. And uh, and she actually. Um, and then there's like an explosion or something. She ends up on the ground, but she holds her hand to her chest. And then later in the movie, she does the same thing after Captain Lucine dies. Uh, and she's actually, she's in the shower in the shepherd, the abandoned shepherd station. And she does the same thing. Um, now it seems like those are actually dog tags that, uh, that she has around her chest. And then of course, later in the movie, we realize that uh, she, I used to have someone, I don't know if it was a husband or a boyfriend. I think it was a fiance is what they said. A fiance. There you go. Yeah. Um, so she had a fiance and at one point he uh, like went out one night and, um, and disappeared, right? Like she had called the police and he was gone and she felt really helpless about it. So I think those dog tags might be his. <laughs> I, I would venture to say it's correct. Yeah, and and I think that it's cool that um, during these scenes of emotional turmoil, they come back to it, and she holds on to them uh, because those are the times when she feels helpless, like helpless to save people, like like she couldn't save him. Yeah, Um, it's funny you notice that she always put her hand to her chest. I noticed uh, when she got frustrated because it's Kirsten Dunst. Is that her name, Kirsten or Kristen? But um, Mm -hmm. it's I think her name is Bella from uh the twilight series um and i i thought it was hilarious. every time she got frustrated she would do the classic thing that that character would do in twilight where she would like hold up her head over her hand over her head and she just kind of like have this um this kind of confused look on her face she's like mm, i don't i just don't know and like the, any impression you see of her in that uh <laughs> that's like that's how you define that character and i thought it was funny that it kind of carried to this character um <laughs> that is interesting especially since uh i mean i don't know too much about it but i doubt that you could draw many um parallels between bella and and nora oh yeah for sure they're like they're the only thing that binds them is the actor that the actress the that portrays them yeah and she, yeah, yeah it's just i always i appreciated that i thought that was kind of interesting um <laughs> yeah that's cool uh but beyond that, you're talking about those dog tags and her fiance. I thought that was an interesting thing to add. I wanted to see more. I, like if we saw a picture of him or something like she, in the beginning, she's brushing her teeth. She saves the spider. And um, if she would have put her hand over a picture of him or something and like looked at him like she missed him or something before all the water mm-hmm. started pouring in. Just something to tell us like this is present. This is a present idea in the movie. Um, cause I think otherwise the most we got before she actually told us anything was her holding those dog tags. And that's, that's not really telling us anything. Um, like we can, right. a, a, anyone will hold on to like a necklace sometimes, uh, when they're in moments of stress. So I felt like with stuff like that, they kind of introduced it a little late. I, they, they would introduce kind of new plot ideas a bit late into the movie that mm. would have had more impact if we would have been seeing them from the beginning. I see. I see. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I could see that they did hints to her having something, I think, through how she uh, interacted with everyone. Um, and again, with holding her hand to her chest was a very slight hint. Yeah, it's, it's something that you see um, the second time through, I feel like. Or like if you yeah. were taking notes like you were doing. Yeah, it, but, but even so... I see what you mean because it it can seem like oh they're they're just pulling out this thing because it, it's what makes the movie work as opposed to oh the, this is just the movie it's revealing things exactly that we could have seen if we were looking for it yeah it it just felt like a little cheaty it was just like actually she has a she's a long lost love and it's like what like it felt like her producer threw it out like make sure that she someone she loved died and it was like I didn't write that and they're just like make it happen and so like all right here's this scene right yeah. Uh, I, I guess that's the rule for uh, if things sound 
cheaty or not <laughs> could have a producer have added it in yeah i and like that's that's always how i picture it going down but it was probably just a kind of an oversight in the writing or just something that kind of slipped through or just someone like kind of learning the strings because uh definitely setting up it's like i always call it setting up the magic any rules of the world and any backstory to your character needs to be introduced as early as possible um mm-hmm. where i think that was introduced to us or like really explained to us um in a way that we were meant to understand it uh that wasn't just a slight hint it was like it was towards the end of the second act it was just much too late mm-hmm. um so like i feel like the story itself with dealing with the rig falling apart and getting where they needed to go that was finally told trying to get us invested in the characters with different little backstories i think that was kind of done in I hate to say it, but just kind of an almost amateurish manner, it felt like. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see that. Well, I want to track back to something. Let's hear it, Ian. So, uh, let's talk about the spider in the sink scene. Ah, yes. <laughs> this happens at the very beginning of the movie. And it's it's funny because it feels like it's showing up again. Because that this happened in Paranormal Activity, right? You had Mika, like, save the spider yeah i think i talked um, about that in paranormal activity all right reference yep. this movie yeah and uh and then of course you had the the cat being saved on on alien which was a little different because that was more um a continuing theme yeah uh, but but here i i like it because not only does it do that that classic thing of making you automatically like the character more because they're willing to um, get this spider out of the sink. That yeah. I shouldn't be there without killing him. They do an unnatural good deed. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's also interesting because I believe she says something along the lines of, what are you doing down here, bud? Right. Mm-hmm. That and, was a good line. And yeah. And, and this spider is in the sink and it's out of its element. You know, it can't, it can't crawl up the size of the sink. It's trapped. And I feel like that is fantastic foreshadowing uh, for for them, right? For for all of the all of the survivors of of the rig that's about to blow up, is hey, you're out of your element. And yeah. I think that's also what is supposed to be scary about this movie, and what's scary about or one of the things that's scary about the deep ocean is that you are out of your element. You know, uh, you have to have this whole suit on that you can hardly turn your head in. Um, to stay alive, and you are completely helpless if something decides to pick you up. No, I hundred percent agree. Uh, that was that was a great line because, and not only do we apply it to the spider at first. Uh, the way I I heard it was like the spider, like, what are you doing here? Like, he's da- he's down in an underwater oiling rig. There's no like, yeah. How do you get there? <laughs> yeah, like, and maybe it was just on someone's luggage or something. But what like there's nothing to eat for the spider. Like, there's no bugs. There's no economy down there um like even if it wasn't in the sink it's just that's not the place for it and you think like silly spider you don't belong in miles above the ocean in an oiling rig but then like they apply it they make us look further and it's like silly people you don't belong mm-hmm. hundreds of miles or i guess it was actually like 6.9 miles beneath yeah, the sea about seven miles yeah um, many miles <laughs> underneath the ocean going a little bit away from the story and more of just the world what did you think of these creatures do they scare you yeah, hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw at you what I was thinking of the creatures. Sure. The creatures were scary up to when they killed Paul. Um they kill Paul, they drag him through his suit, and up to that point they are uh I have a fear of these creatures. Uh we don't and it goes into what we're always talking about. It goes into that ambiguity. Uh we see a baby one and then we realize there's a bigger one though, that's terrifying. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um and even the baby, like seeing the baby one kind of felt a little like now we know what it looks like, but it didn't take away from not understanding this creature entirely. Um, but as the movie progresses, we see more and more of it until we just we see full body images of it. And it would be terrifying to see in real life. Don't get me wrong. But on a movie screen, I at that point have too much understanding of the creature. It's basically like an octopus with a big mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like a humanoid octopus. Yeah, and it's uh, I would be terrified if it were standing in front of me, but on my movie screen, it's no longer doing it for me at that point. Um, 
and they even show this giant like freaking cthulhu looking creature um and i was just like i mean that's cool but like go back to when it was just bangs on the wall because that's scary um Mm -hmm. i like i they should have kept it more ambiguous i think it was cool seeing it i like learning kind of the physiology of those creatures but i don't i think they showed us a little too much is all yeah i i would i would tend to agree um and I agree that up up to up to the point of where we really started seeing them, I think they were more effective. Uh, and it was it was actually uh, quite an interesting way of of revealing some of it without revealing too much of it. Uh, after they found the little baby squid like thing, and they started hearing bangs around around the uh, around the industrial or around the freight elevator. Mm-hmm. Um. It was also actually cool to see that, uh, oh gosh, what was his Paul? Uh, that Paul actually moved to close the secondary door. Yeah, I like that. He's like, I'm just gonna close this door. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> close this extra door because, yeah, like that makes sense. Um, and and it's actually cool because, uh, the the Kepler then explodes, and you actually get a very brief glimpse of the creature, like its silhouette in this tiny little window at the top of the freight elevator because it it's it uh it's get it gets lit up by the explosion of the kepler and that was yeah. that was neat um and like that's a creepier shot it's just something watching you you don't know what it is and that's scary just something exactly watching you. yes um and, and it's also the ocean is has an incredibly unique ability to to maintain this ambiguity because there is no day there isn't even a night with a moon or stars it's pitch black um when when you're in the deepest part of the ocean and i think they actually could have done a good, better job making things actually pitch black i think they tended to make things like sort of a greenish hue that wasn't actually pitch dark yeah I, they, even at one point they're like we need to turn the lights off because they'll see us and like they turn them off for like a half second and things aren't even pitch black then yeah. And then they start lighting up their visors, like to look at stuff. And it's just like, well, that's not that's not turning your lights off. Hold on, there's <laughs> nothing else down here. That light on your visor looks like a lot. Yeah, exactly. And so I think they missed some opportunity, not only with uh, not keeping the creature ambiguous by keeping it in the darkness, uh, but also by not making the environment look more like the bottom of the ocean, I... where you know light needs to penetrate you know, this super dark water to see anything. Um, and I feel like, you know, that can feel really claustrophobic and it could be, but it can also be super scary because you're actually out in the open. Yeah. So you can simultaneously feel claustrophobic while also feeling like you, you can be attacked from any angle. It's, yeah, just entirely the, exposed. It's a terrifying environment. Um, and it's perfect to add in this unknown creature into. Uh, yeah, and I think... I would have also liked a more interesting creature design. He he felt basic when you saw all of them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I don't know. They were just oh, it's a humanoid squid mm-hmm. with that can eat you. Yeah, that. It... And like it, it always bothered me because like they would kill some of them real fast. Like they would rip them out of their suit. Um, mm-hmm. they would uh they drag them up too high so they exploded. Um, and then when they're trying to eat our main character Nora they like wrap themselves around and like take 20 years to put the try, put all of Nora in their mouth yeah and it's just like hold yeah. on why weren't you doing that before like why is this important now uh, I thought yep. like I thought your goal was to kill because there were foreign things that you weren't sure of I didn't think that you were trying to find sustenance and I didn't think they needed to be alive while you're engulfing them like it just it felt uncharacteristic of what we knew of the creatures so far up to that point yeah I'd agree um yeah they, they, they should have done a better job managing their creatures in in such a way to to make them uh to to keep them terrifying really yeah it felt like they needed to sit down like everyone writing and the producers and whatever they just need to sit down in like a room and say like we need to define this creature it felt like kind of a bunch of people were kind of throwing in like then the creature does this and it's like then it does this um right it, it didn't feel quite coherent yeah, and it's also, uh, I guess, speaking back on Alien, because I feel like they're just 
they did a much better execution of uh, having this strange uh, creature um, that's unknown. And something that they did is part of the reason you were afraid of, of Alien is of the creature's perceived intelligence. It seemed intelligent. Whereas these creatures, they just kind of like, you know, go after you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no like, like it doesn't feel like they're they're hunting you. They they're about to pounce on you like, um, like a really big house cat. Uh, that that would be scary because you know they're, like they're observing you. They're looking at your behavior, something like that, instead of just, you know, oh, there's something, I'm going to put it in my mouth, like a toddler. Right? Yeah. That just that doesn't scare you. I agree, and uh, it felt like it was studying them in, like, the freight elevator when it was looking at them from the top, you know? Um, yeah. And, that, yeah, I agree that when... I, I don't think you can do that to every creature. Um, I feel like it, if we were doing that to every creature, it would get pretty old pretty quick sure um so i think we do have to find some of these movies but i do agree with you that i prefer uh when the creature is actually yeah. formidable against its prey and intelligence yeah rather and it than just being physically be, superior it doesn't have to be smarter than the humans right for for yeah. instance um take jurassic park uh with, with the you know how how the dinosaurs start opening doors yeah right? the velociraptors yeah they're like, scary because they girl. study things mm-hmm yeah, and, and so it didn't mean they had, you know, a bigger brain or anything. It's just that they were surprisingly more intelligent than you initially thought, and that was scary. Yeah. It's not understanding your enemy entirely. Exactly. Um, but they soon did understand their enemy. It was just, oh, if we see them, we're dead. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I agree. Um, it made for a layer of disinterest there. Yeah. Now I will say I do like how they sort of did the bigger and bigger fish, <laughs> because you start with this little baby one, um, and maybe they could have kept that for longer as like oh these really scary baby ones, and then like suddenly the guy gets pulled from his suit and you're like oh there's a bigger one, um, you know, uh, and they yeah. kind of did that with like oh maybe this is a baby like that was that was cool. Um, I think that but they then, could have emphasized that more. I agree. Yeah, and uh, but it was really cool that uh, when they were on their way into the Roebuck, you saw the and as she shot that last flare, um, all of these hanging, you know, humanoid uh, octopus creatures that we've uh, become familiar with are pulled away, and it's revealed they're actually part. And they're like nesting inside of this much larger creature, which I believe is supposed to be Cthulhu. And that was really cool. Like that was a really cool way of revealing this much bigger creature. Yeah, um, I that was neat. I thought the creature was really cool. I liked seeing the giant Cthulhu thing. Um, I was thinking about it, though. And like if they were in some kind of heated pocket underground, right? Because um, the idea is that, like, if we do have these kind of like giant creatures deep in the sea, they're surviving off of giant squid and stuff. Like that's kind of their calorie intake. Um, I don't understand how something that massive and with uh, so many of these offsprings, so to say, I don't understand how they were surviving. I suppose because they were apparently they had to be drilled out, so they were under something, some kind of closed environment. Um, mm-hmm. I it just, it's I, when I thought about it, it just seemed like that's a little like that doesn't quite rest with me. That's too big. It's, it's interesting you say that because I actually noted while I was watching the movie, you never see this many carnivores. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you're gonna see this many creatures, they're gonna be herbivores, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if they're all in one place. Um, I think the way that they could have gotten around this is they could have leaned more into a sort of H.P. Lovecraftian style of horror. Oh, okay. Uh, of, like, I don't know, creeping corruption and more, like, supernaturalness. Like, I think if they had leaned into that, then I wouldn't even think about, oh, I don't know, this doesn't seem realistic because we'd be too spooked <laughs> to worry about, like, if it yeah. seems realistic or not. They did um, real. They rooted in realism where it should have been rooted in otherworldliness. I get what you mean. Exactly, exactly. I think if they had done that... um then I, I think it, it, that might have suited them uh, better. How do, how do you think they could have accomplished something like that? Well, uh, <laughs> you know me. I'm a movie writer. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I'm um, just curious, like, how do you how do you make the feel of a movie different like that? How do you make a creature feel different like that? Yeah, how to make it uh, outworldly. Well, it, it's interesting because, of course, you have the ocean, right, where you mm-hmm. feel out of your element. And that is actually a major theme of otherworldliness, right? You, you feel out of your element. You're in a different world. Yeah. I, I think they could have accomplished this by having more than just the creatures. Um, having like a separate world begin to sort of merge into ours. Like you start seeing, I don't know, strange lights or, um, or. Okay. Just, uh, just things that don't quite seem natural. Exactly. Okay. And then, like I said, uh, some sort of maybe, maybe like a creeping corruption, like that, like that algae sort of stuff, which I assume is alien related, but, or not alien, but the creature related. Uh, you could have had that starting, like, growing over things. Um, like, just have this sort of world start creeping into yours. I think that the algae would have been a good move. Doing more with that. I, I yeah. agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, in a way, sort of like the uh, nature taking back. But in this case, it's this other world coming into yours because you unintentionally invited it in. Yeah, it's feeling um, that kind of invasion. Yeah, that would have been cool. I would have liked that. Maybe oh, different like creatures. That. Maybe have one, like, uh, you know, you could have these initial creatures, which are, oh, no, they're super scary. And then they start getting attacked by other creatures, which are even scarier, like the mm-hmm. sort of bigger fish thing. Yeah. Um, Having more of that. That, yes, that would be cool. Because we're just left with, oh, it's the regular world, and there's Cthulhu. And that's it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, he's just chilling. Like, you don't have any other elements to make it seem uh scarier or more uh, otherworldly so mm-hmm. there you go that's how i do <laughs> uh well i want to talk about one more thing before we get into the questionnaires because we, we're running a little low on time here um there was a big emphasis in the credits that they didn't talk about like that uh they weren't a lot the company forbid them from talking about this the president gets to know anything about it they just knew the oil rig fell apart so they kept the creature's existence entirely secret why do you think they did that? What was the purpose behind that? Why do you think that they had TN Industries uh, deny things? Yeah, just like from a world building, from a story perspective, like why? What's what does that do for the audience? What's, well, what, I think what's the win there? I think that the intention here is to sort of pile on to uh, the. The, the the sin of in industrialization over industrialization um and to also show the the resu- like where it comes from which is greed uh and so i i think it's i think it's especially critiquing the greed of uh, incredibly large um corporations oh, okay and, them wanting to kind of keep this to themselves yeah and their willingness to do anything to maintain uh you know profit okay Interesting. Um, I think that I think that's where that is now. I think there. So I've already said that one of the main themes in this movie is the sort of it was capitalism all along. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the sin of of over over expansion of of industrialization. Another major theme is this this powerlessness and, and this helplessness. Uh, especially at the end when we have our main character Nora um, uh, monologuing about it. Yeah. Now, this was interesting because I want to say that I think this this might be a theme of of I mean f- for lack of uh, a better term uh woman power. Okay. Um of you know, uh, you, you have all this stuff going on that's, uh, you know, really massive and out of control, um, you know, and you even have uh, at the end here, you know, at, at the end of the movie, um, to get to their suits, of course, you know, they had to be in essentially just tank tops and underwear, I guess. Uh, and so there's in that, um, while all this stuff is happening at the end before they get into the escape pods and everything. And so it's, I think it's, it speaks to that, ability to uh to still be powerful in a helpless situation 
and especially at the end there when she ends up sacrificing herself to blow up Cthulhu and all mm-hmm. of his creatures. Uh, so I think that was another important theme for this movie. Interesting. Is sort of being being taking, powerful. Yeah, taking back situation. that power. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up, the female empowerment, because... Uh, mm-hmm. okay, so lots of movies, I hate seeing this. I, it is one of my least favorite things to see in a movie. Um, and the most popular example I can think of is Avengers Endgame, oddly enough, where, uh, yeah. where we see... I, I don't want to spoil Avengers here, even though it's been out for a while. You should have seen it, but you see this part where it's just like all the female heroes working together to get the job done. Um, and it's very obvious that like they grouped the females together to be super cool and get this done, mm-hmm. which is fine and all, but, uh, and it's supposed to be like the females are powerful too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but weirdly enough, by drawing attention to it, it makes it feel, it almost has the opposite effect. I feel like of saying like, also look at the girls um mm. and it, it, it as, like, as if they weren't equal to begin with exactly like they have to have their own spotlight because otherwise we are just going to be looking at the men when in reality just treat them the same and that's how you actually achieve that like the women are just as powerful as the guys rather than having to explicitly right. say it well i think also something annoying about that particular scene is that it's very evident it, it is pandering because there's a difference yeah. between actually wanting strong female characters and then trying to pander it and trying to like uh, force it in there, like exactly. We, we all want to see you know them getting the same spotlight because they deserve it, uh, but then to to specifically just have them, it feels forced, and then it feels yeah. like pandering, and that doesn't feel nice. Exactly, and um, but and I I only noticed this because I'd recently watched Avengers Endgame before mm-hmm. uh before seeing this movie was we see that the two women are dragging the guy across the ocean and it's, it works so well because that's nice. Yes. I, I like that detail. Exactly. It, Cause it's not something you take notice of that easily uh, because it's just, it's the status quo down there. It's the, it's natural and it's, it doesn't have to shine a spotlight on it because it just is, if that makes sense. Right. Um, it, it's like, it, they're not, you know, she's not powerful because she's a woman. She is a powerful woman. <laughs> yeah like and she exactly and uh it's just showing that like because the roles could have easily been reversed smith could have been carrying and like another girl could have been carrying emily or something Mm -hmm. um and it would have been it would have felt natural and this just felt natural it didn't need attention drawn to it it didn't have to like i think that's how you really achieve that kind of equal representation in the media is by not having to draw attention to it by just having it be Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that's a good point I have a crazy theory for this movie. Do you want to hear it? Okay, let's hear it. So what if uh, before Captain Lucene sacrifices himself, or rather when he does to save Mm -hmm. Nora, what if Nora died there? Because you see, uh, as Nora approaches Emily again and they they meet up, um, she's talking to Emily, but Emily's not really responding. And she's she's kind of going a little, uh, well, I don't want to say, she's kind of losing it a little. Mm-hmm. She's talking to herself. I think she, maybe she's talking to Smith, who's unconscious. Um, like she's saying certain things, possibly about not, you know, we shouldn't be down here sort of things. Other other uh, Talking about they're in a Petri dish or something. She's kind of losing it. And then there's, uh, and then there's Nora who comes along. And she like has to shake her, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, Nora! I thought you were dead." Oh, and another thing is right is that when Nora landed, right, she finds the shepherd station, which, if you remember, Captain Lucine said that was no longer there. That mm-hmm. like that station was not there. If he knew that it was, then that could have been somewhere that they could have gone uh, instead of um, you know the other substation. But he specifically said that place essentially no longer exists. Yet she finds it. And it's still functional. Like, it still has power. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that it's possible that Emily, who's losing it a little, a little uh, might have um, been sort of... Yeah, she kind of created Nora's story from there. Yeah, so that she could, as a coping mechanism, so that she could get through the rest of it. And, you see, in this case, Nora didn't even uh, blow up the... Um, 
uh, the the Roebuck. Uh, Nor didn't blow up the Roebuck. It was actually um, just a result of the the core melting down, just like the Kepler. Yeah, and uh, I like that because it makes sense. Because I was so bothered when she set that core to melt down that she all it took to like basically like nuke the place was she just dragged down a little bar and then press space bar and i was like anyone can accident like i would accidentally do that <laughs> that was like, you need to enter at least some kind of code or something but that was way too easy to nuke your yeah, it's not it's not like alien where you have to do like 20 twists and pulls to get it to self yeah it is harder to log into my email from a new computer than blow up that whole station <laughs> yeah so yeah. So there you go. That is my my crazy theory for this movie is Nora died. Um, Interesting. I when, like that. When the captain died, it would make sense because she. Uh, you would argue, she was also she had the whole monologue about, uh, it's all dark down here. Let's bring in the light, and the light is her ascending to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, just another yeah. little thing. I like that. That's interesting. There you go. All right. So survey time let's read some surveys yes. do you want to do you want to tell me about the surveys uh i like i thought it was interesting that we asked how bad did the movie scare you and i just asked from a, on a one to ten scale one being no ten being yes i just wanted to get people's general opinion uh we had two ones so people just weren't scared and then we had a two and a three so they were like yeah i got spooked a little but it wasn't much which is interesting to me because i think it's one of the more scarier situations we've seen in horror movies thus far uh because you're it's so helpless it's so freaky to see these creatures like if you were in it yourself i think you'd be more scared in this situation than others the other one maybe being as above so below could compare Mm -hmm. um but i think that just the way they did it yeah it didn't quite reach their audience the way they were going for um yeah i I guess we can easily see that right (laughs) yeah and it was interesting because as people said would you consider i asked would you consider ocean terror more similar to space related fear or cave related fear everyone said space related fear i was expecting at least some cave related fear because of what you were talking about earlier because it's a dark space you kind of get that claustrophobic feeling yeah um, of just everything closing in on you and so I was expecting some cave, and I think we didn't do that because you what you were saying about the light is that they really made it everything lit up for such a dark, dark space. Yeah, um, like it didn't feel closed in when it should have felt closed. Exactly, and it's, I think we should have had some feelings of that cave scare. I think we should have had more responses of that if they did that right. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I guess we also watched Alien last week, so maybe that's on the mind. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, could, that could have something to do with it, but I feel like, I feel like it should have felt more cave-like. Yeah, um, I'd agree. And okay, would you go through the troubles of protecting the stuffed bunny? I asked you this in the beginning. And <laughs> I want to say 75% of people agreed with me. And okay, three out of our four people <laughs> agreed with me that they would save this bunny. Well, one said, person one person's with me, man. Um and don't you know save what? that bunny. Useless bunny. I'm I'm going to find this one person who said no. Hold on. Let's see what else <laughs> they said. <laughs> All right, they, the movie did not scare them. Uh, they, and this person, so I asked, of our three final people, which is you, between Smith and noble enough to sacrifice, but he's kind of a burden in the end. Emily, freaking out, but not bad enough that you're not going to make it. And Nora, sacrificing yourself in the end, not only for your friends and for others, and to have the last word with the big bad. He kind of out of spite. Um, this person said they were smith they were noble enough to sacrifice but probably and i if you're not saving that bunny dude are you noble enough to make that i don't know i I, I doubt your nobility (laughs) uh well Um, when i'm curious uh which of the which of the three people is you (laughs) uh oh okay i i'm probably i'm nora Uh, i i think i would gladly sacrifice myself for the for other people to get out but also just to spite that big guy. Like, I, I always figure in, like, a Saw situation. Because, so, a brief little thing on Saw. It's all about, like, how far do you go to survive? Like, how much pain will you cause yourself to survive? Yeah. And I always figure, if anyone ever puts me in that kind of situation, I am not giving them the satisfaction, and I am killing myself right there. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing their game. I will not give them the pleasure out of my suffering. And I will give them the big middle finger and just end myself right there. Uh, 
Well, damn. So I would not survive the Saw movies, but by choice. <laughs> <laughs> by choice. <laughs> well, um... How about you? Which one are you, Ian? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't feel like... I don't feel like I relate to any of them. Like, I feel like I wouldn't be... I, I hope I wouldn't be as much of a burden as Smith, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would sacrifice myself for everyone either. Um, most people were Smith, oddly enough. Well, there was one other Nora, but most people were Smith. I think if I had to pick one of these three, I feel like I'd also pick Smith. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I was expecting to see more Emily's freaking out, but not so bad that you're not going to see the end. And uh, I feel like in a realistic setting most of us probably would be emily but <laughs> I, I, it's it's easy to say right now that oh, i wouldn't be emily yeah um um all right and this one this was your question you posed which terrifies you the most about the deep ocean the drowning the pitch black how little we actually know about it and the crushing pressure uh no one was scared of the crushing pressure everyone was just like whatever <laughs> uh whatever pressure probably just like a deep skin tissue massage i bet that's what rodrigo thought too yeah exactly like look at rodrigo (laughs) where's he at now nowhere um (laughs) inside of his suit yeah exactly two inside of his suit uh and the half of half the people said how little we know about it which is what scares me that's where i would have fallen how about you Mm -hmm. man i gotta say i you know i'd probably go with the pitch black darkness um because i i know that when you're in that deep ocean and I think that all of these are connected, um, mm-hmm. but I, th- I feel like that scares me the most because when you're really in the deep ocean, it's so dark. And you know this if you've like seen videos um, of like where they have a flashlight in the deep ocean, and you can yeah. only see where that flashlight shines. Everything else is pitch and yeah, blackness. and it's just like six inches in front of you. Like it doesn't. Yes. Really doesn't. Yeah. And so, just like essentially, you are not only are you in an element that you cannot control that you are helpless in but you are blind yeah and that i think that's what scares me and i feel like the two those two answers are very similar and just fearing the unknown it's just it's just like not knowing exactly what can come at you um like it's when we're kids when we look into the dark and we see a shadow and we scare ourselves because we don't know what that shadow is we just look into it too long totally Um, yeah and then i think also uh drowning is a pretty common fear and that it also has to do with being out of your element and being helpless yeah i'd say I, i'd say to an extent um and yeah one one person did say risk of drowning uh so then we had our open response question and i wanted to make it about how do you handle a helpless situation um i i brought it down to its simplest you're in a car when you find you're being chased by some strange out of this world quadrupedal creature it's got bloodlust in its eyes and is slowly gaining on the car even at max speed how do you respond um our first response someone just put die and i was like okay i (laughs) could you could have detailed it a little more do you let them kill you do you just acknowledge you will die but you try to fight but that's fair we would die that's the idea um (laughs) but nonetheless they've resorted to it they know they're gonna die um Mm. Someone says, and see, this is this is me. I don't know who said this, but I I feel you. Uh, they I crashed the car to kill myself. If I'm a die, it'll be on my terms. And like, I agree that's with like you, you to an extent. You, you, you ex- said that with a saw. You said that with saw. <laughs> that, that was with saw. But that's because I know someone's <laughs> trying to get pleasure out of this. If this is just a thing <laughs> trying to eat me, which in this case it is, I'm going to try to survive because that's just the prey instinct. Uh, I, I don't. See. It's not getting pleasure out of my suffering. It's just trying to kill me. This third one, they said, first, if I'm being chased, why am I going so slow that I can see it's yearning for blood? Okay, listen, it's catching up to you. It's not hard to see bloodlust in something's eyes, dude. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been chased by like a mean dog, but like it's easy to tell. Yeah, it wants to hurt you. Um, and they said, second, it's time to Tokyo drift that bitch. They say, uh, which I assume means turning the car so it collides with it. I, I guess so. I think that just means fancy turning, though. Like, just... Oh, like, evasive maneuvers. Yeah, basically. Um, and then it says, third, maybe he just wants to be friends, and if that's the case, I'm all... No, there's bloodlust in his eyes. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, want to be friends. Not yeah. friends. Not Don't, if you try to make friends with it, you're dead. That's just the truth. Uh, but I guess some people might try to make friends with the ocean and then die. Yeah. yeah um, like, kind of... Yeah. Like, 
and see if I were making a survivor group in an underwater situation, I would be like, who wants to try to reason with them? And then like anyone that raised their hand, I'd be like, you're staying here. I don't want you to do that. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and then, okay, the last response we had was, I would wait until it got really close to the vehicle and then brake check, which is the answer that I was curious if someone would kind of go for is the kind of, I will try. I will try to survive. I will, um, and not only will they try to survive, they're going to try, at least I would think, to kill it. Yeah, they're trying by, to win. Yeah, it's almost... Uh, like, I know that you're driving away from it, but that's essentially, like, sort of a game of chicken where you're just gonna you're just gonna try for it, because yeah. it's the only way, and you're like, alright. Yeah, like, <laughs> I... Final showdown. You formulated a plan, and you're going to at least fight for your life, and I like that. that I, I would do something similar in this situation. Uh, and Saw, no, they just put me through that trap so i can die but uh in this situation i would i think i would have a similar answer um yeah i i want to say like now of course this is in the question right you're driving at max speed already so it's not like yeah. you can just speed away exactly um but i'd like to think i think for me my instinctive answer is to it well not tokyo drift but <laughs> evasive maneuvers like i'm yeah. gonna try to turn onto some other road like like a car chase I'm going to try to get away. I don't think it would cross my mind to turn around or or to to brake check it to to hit it, right? I, for mm. me, it's escape at that point. I'm I'm running. I'm not fighting. That thing yeah. has bloodlust in its eyes, and it's as fast as my car. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yeah, I was. Those are the two answers I was thinking I'd see more of. I mean, it's it blows my mind how many people are like, I'm I'm just gone. Like you know, it's like, but yeah. Uh, overall, it's a fun watch. Uh. I'd, it's not a hard recommend but like if you're just looking for kind of a way to kill some time you got a couple hours on your hands go for it yeah uh, i think i think it's a good movie um if you just want to watch a movie where people are deep under the ocean and it's kind of scary i think this is a, this is a good movie for it yeah. it's a decent movie um again six out of ten i think that's a, a fair rating for it mm -hmm. um in, in terms of enjoyment um I it's probably not going to be very effective at scaring you unless you are very afraid of the deep ocean specifically. Um, but yeah, I th I'd say it's it's worth the watch depending cool. on uh, what you want and if you're with friends or something. Yeah, and uh, well, I think that's going to be it from us guys. You know, uh, we can always use more audience members to fill out more mm -hmm. surveys. We want to hear more from you, so. If you're interested in becoming a part of our audience, uh, please follow the Discord link in the description of this episode. Wonderful. I was going to save it, so shame on you for presuming the worst to me. But uh, <laughs> I was also I also want to add in uh, we have to we have to end now. I don't know how long we've gone, but we are about to hop over to our Twitch stream. You can catch us on Twitch.tv/pathsoffear. Uh, if you want to just see some horror games where we review and we just have funny moments, so yeah. We stream every Wednesday and every Saturday. Yeah, both at uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. And we'll, we hope to see you guys around. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks for listening.